Rivers in the Morning. Uh, good morning. Thank you for joining us. It's time now for your money, and it's brought to you by Jim Young Wealth Advisors on Star Center Drive in Canfield, a family business that does business with individuals and families that need comprehensive risk management for their wealth and assets, and they believe clients want professional advice at a fair value, and they deliver that by leveraging their reputation of professionalism, integrity, teamwork, and a get-it-done-right-the-first-time attitude. And we've been bringing you this segment for many years. We're on a little different time today. We'll be back on Tuesday of next week. And, uh, Leo, as I look this, it looks like we're heading for record territory again with the Dow. It's opened up 13, and uh, the NASDAQ up 57 already this morning. Yeah, that's why it's shaping up. And then I think you're going to see even a bigger bump. Uh, the Dow right now is trending to be up 117 at the open. I, and Dan, it's the third week in a row where unemployment claims are coming down, uh, which is this is an unusually good time of year for that to be happening. Uh, but the important point to take out of that is over the last three weeks, uh, people are still continuing to add jobs to the economy. So, you know, when we're hearing all of these things about how dire the economy is, there's no question there's parts of the economy that are. But overall, there seems to be a, a, a pretty robust and continued increase in hiring, which is <clears throat> one of those leading economic indicators, right, Dan? If we're yeah, hiring absolutely. more people, then yep. three months down the road, we're going to start seeing more spending, um, more people earning money, being able to get out of the debt maybe the pandemic put them into. So that's an encouraging sign. Excellent, excellent. Leo DeBrilli with us uh, for many years here in a little segment called Your Money. I can actually, on Monday morning, I thought that there would be a lot of volatility because of the GameStop, uh, the um the you know the the selling and the buying the short and running this up, but uh, there hasn't been that much effect in the general market. Uh, I I would think that these hedge funds had to take tremendous losses, didn't they? Well, there's Dan. I always like to say there's always two sides to a trade, and there's and, and that's a very fluid situation. Anytime there's a, a trade now in the beginning, the, the hedge funds take their losses. Yes, but remember, <clears throat> you had novices going against the pros. And this is what uh, was most concerning to me was this was, in I'll call it classic uh, stock manipulation. You know, people were speculating and putting their opinions out there on what they thought game stock uh, could be. And people were just making trades based on, I'll call it euphoria and not the you know sensible fundamentals. Because like you've heard me say a hundred times, Dan, I'm a data-driven guy. Uh, and, and if you do any research on this stock, the consensus from an analyst perspective is this stock's rated as a sell. Uh, they have an average price point for this stock at $9 a share. Uh, and it peaked at $484. So remember, when it got to 484 there was a buyer and a seller at 484 Even though the hedge funds may have, had, may have lost money to cover their shorts, remember, these guys are pros. The pros aren't just going to sit there on the sidelines and lick their wounds. They were making money all the way through the trade. In fact, I read this morning that one hedge fund on the GameStop transactions made $700 million. Oh, my gosh. That's just some money that we can't even imagine. I mean, on how, how, much, how much volatility is out there, but yet people are still making money on both sides. You know, Lee, I was going to ask you, why do this idea of uh, shell, of you know holding things for a long period and then selling short? Why is that allowed to continue? That seems almost like a scheme. Can can you tell? And that's a stock strategy that the hedge funds use all the time. Well, 
look at it this way, Dan. Look at it in terms of belief. Uh, and, and, and you can and you can take this from a perspective of why did game stock run up for the same reason why a hedge fund would short a stock because people believed that game stock is a better company than it is and, and the reality is in my opinion the game stock is the next a gamestop is the next blockbuster video in my opinion it's a dying business strategy um, the, the world's moving online and away from physically buying games and putting them in their machines. So that being said, you know, people believe that there was something more um, opportunistic by owning game stock. So they, so they continued to buy the stock and keep pushing the price higher. They may have been doing it as rookies trying to beat the professionals, which when this is all said and done, it's going to be the rookies that are going to be losing all the money. Because as of yesterday, from the high in game stock to where it had come down to, $167 billion has been lost on that transaction. That's important to note. <clears throat> and this stock's going to settle eventually on where it is. A short seller on the other side believes the company stock's going to go down. So that's not an unethical trade. It's just a belief on the direction of where stock or a company's fortunes are going to go, which direction they're going to go. Well, maybe I get hung up on this part of it, where they say they borrow shares. Is that really one and the same as buying shares, or is there a difference? Uh, there's a difference. When you buy, when you buy a stock, that you're, that's what we call taking a long position, because typically people are buying a stock to hold for a longer period of time. So that's a long position. So when you're selling short, what you're, what you're doing is you're, you go to a brokerage house and like, whatever brokerage house you want to use, and you say, let me borrow a thousand shares of game stock at $10 a share. I'll just make numbers up for the sake of the analysis. And I'll pay you interest on the value of that stock for letting me borrow them. And then at some future date, I'll replace them. So what they do is once, let's say the stock goes down to $5, they go back into the market and buy the stock at $5 a share, okay, and then return them back to the owner and make a 100% profit. Now, do they have to sell the actual shares, or can it just be a money transaction? Does that does it come down to just a money transaction, or is it actual? They have to go out and seek that particular stock. They have to actually go out and seek that particular stock. That's what that's what drove GameStop up so much, because to cover their short positions, there wasn't enough uh, supply, with, yeah. and just like the basic supply and demand with reduced supply, it just kept pushing the price higher, higher, and higher. So the quick definition is that there are long-term holders of stock, and then there are people who short the market. They borrow those stocks, and they will they pay an interest on those stocks that they have borrowed, and then they replace them at a date and time agreed to. And if they don't have them, they have to go into the market and buy them at market value, and they kind of lose their shirt because these stocks um, – you know, they, they, they bought them at one price, and now they have to return them, and, they, and it's not as easy to get them, right? That's correct. That's exactly right. Well said, Dan. Okay. Now, is, is, this, is this any different than simple gambling? Because what you're really doing is betting that it's going to go up or down, aren't you? Isn't this just almost like going to um, Las Vegas? Well, this is why I wanted to talk about it today. I, you know, so much of it's been talked about ad nauseum, but what I wanted to talk about, which is what you're talking about today, is investing should be taking sensible, calculated risks 
and not turning it into a casino. And what happened here with the game stock, in my opinion, they turned it into just gambling because, you know, like you've heard me say a lot, Dan, making money the right way is hard enough, let alone putting other things in there that make it more special. And not what was been going on here because you don't know where it's going to land. In my opinion, when all the euphoria and everything settles down, GameStop's going to go back to where it was about $9 a share because that's what everybody's saying it's really worth. And once all this emotion fades, and it's trading around $90 a share today, which means I'm saying when the dust settles, this stock can drop up to 90% from where it is today. And again, right. like I said, Dan, this is just my opinion. Um, but reason ultimately always prevails in the market. They're not going to be able to continue to prop this up forever. Well, and the- here, here's another here's another thing, too, to consider. Those of our listeners out there that have saved their money and they are invested for the long term in their 401Ks and their IRAs, and uh, they're making money in tried-and-true stock with um, a long-term plan, when you hear these kinds of things, and there's a lot of people that have the euphoria about how they beat uh, the, the the big guys, they really are not helping the people that are in it for the long run and trying to do the right thing. You've got you've got a group of young people who are essentially manipulating a stock, and people have said, "Well, you know, the little guys are striking against the big guys." But most people want a tried and true strategy. There's not a lot of good. Uh, in, I guess that's why I object to it. This is just a get rich quick scheme without any real value being added. There's really no work being done. Nothing really is out there that uh, is going to improve our nation because somebody drove a stock up artificially. Dan, that's why I started out by saying this is classic market manipulation. And that's what they did. And, 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 and I don't really know how you prevent that. But in the old days, Dan, you weren't able to just go out, especially in my business. And what I do, I just can't sit here and start making arbitrary claims about a company. It used to happen very heavily in the 80s. Remember the penny stock days? Yeah, but that's kind of where, where people were artificially trumping up pretty much worthless companies. And there was an old scheme called pump and dump. In other words, you get everybody motivated, you pump up the price of the stock, you dump it, and you leave the uninformed and uneducated and, and rookie investors holding the bags on the losses. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, the dummies are out here saying, yeah, somebody ran this stock up. And meanwhile, the guys out there that pumped it up, they're, they're long gone, right? So I, I guess it just just to go back and, um, you know, everything that you and I have talked about over the years has been one of a tried-and-true strategy. But it's hard to do that when you have people that are manipulating. Do you see a move by the SEC to uh, change the rules so that this does not happen? I mean, because in my heart of hearts, I really don't think this is good for anybody except maybe the people that uh, hatch the scheme. Right. Right. That made their money. I, I think they're going to clamp down on it, Dan, because markets markets continue to move forward when there's trust and confidence and stability within the markets. They're not going to let a rogue group of investors disrupt that stability because you don't want them saying, okay, because of their Reddit group, you don't want them going and targeting another five companies and doing the same thing because at that point in time, now you're starting to erode the trust and confidence in orderly and efficient markets. So I think yeah. they're going to do something about it. 
All right. I mean, do you have any sympathy for the hedge funds that were holding this, that uh, were kind of caught in this um, run-up of the market? Here's my prediction, and I'm glad you asked that. I think the hedge funds that got caught holding the shorts and lost money covering the shorts, they're smart people, Dan. They didn't sit on the sidelines and sit there and take their whooping. I'll bet you they made money all the way up and made money all the way down because they know the game. The individual investors don't know the game. So I think when you start seeing these hedge funds report their earnings from this, I think you're going to see a lot of them when this is over, having made money in this transaction. And you know what? Good for them because they didn't start it. They had to react to it. Had they started it, I would have a different opinion on them. But once that game started turning against them, then they had to do what they had to do, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, the, the, the classic definition of creating wealth would be that I buy XYZ stock. Oh, well, let's say that's uh, Lordstown Motors, and I'll talk about it. I know you don't talk about particular stocks, but I'm using it just as an example. The stock uh, opened at about $1.40 a, a year or so ago, and uh, it's way up right now. People can actually see that there's wealth being built into that stock by the background of it. That's easy to understand. Your world is so much more complicated than that, isn't it? I mean, you can look at that classic definition of a stock that has run up. It's become more valuable. The company is now more valuable. And you can see why, because they've got a good product. Uh, uh, apparently, they've got a good product. We don't know. for They haven't really put them on the road yet. But that seems to be what most people thought about the stock market. Then you have people coming in with the puts and the, uh, the derivatives in general. And people that really don't study this stuff are kind of lost, and I'll bet a lot of brokers are probably lost with all of this derivative stuff. Oh, they are. Those, and as you know, Dan, derivatives are very complicated products. There's a lot of assumptions that goes into a construction of a, of a derivative. And the, it's like anything. The more decisions you add to a, to, to a conclusion, uh, the more risk you actually bring into the equation. Because yeah. now you have to have more things go right or more things go a certain way, and that gets harder and harder to manage your risk. Even though the more decisions you put on there, theoretically you think you're managing more risk, but you're actually putting yourself in a position for more things to go wrong. That's why they're risky to me. So anyway, just to kind of put this to rest here, um, these uh, young people, these young traders out there, they took a particular stock, this game stock, and uh, what was the other part of that? A, um, uh, there, was, there was an yeah, uh, they they took this and uh, what did they do? They passed around information on Facebook and said, "This is what we're going to do." And they had enough people, and they reached critical mass that they just kept bidding the stock up. They did. And, and, and again, with no gain, and when this is over, like I said, Dan, there's going to be a lot of people that a week ago said they had a lot of money and made a lot of money that are going to be having a different tune. So the question I always ask when, when, you know, in my business, sometimes people will try to tell me this one great stock they bought made money on, and I'll ask probing questions like, you know, what was the reason you bought that stock? Was it for financial gains? Was it somebody telling you? How, how did you arrive at that? And I always ask a final question after they tell me that. Tell me about the stocks you lost on. Mm -hmm. Then that becomes a different conversation because people only like to tell you about their winners. They don't want to tell you about their losers. But everybody's got yeah. them if you're doing any amount of trading. 
But, I mean, a good rule of thumb would be if there's something that you're using all the time or a store that you go to all the time and they seem to be well run, you may want to invest in that, right? I mean, that if you can actually have some empirical device, uh, uh, some empirical um, study that says that this stock appears to be a good fit and it looks like it has value that may be something you want to buy but that's that's what that's that, that should be your own personal research right that's right and we do that every day with our the, the managers that we use dan we have very rigid models of what it takes for 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 a stock or a bond to end up in any of our client portfolios because again we start with the philosophy of just what you said does this company show promise What's the risk around it? Is it a fairly is it fairly priced today? Has there been too much exuberance that even though it's a good stock, is it priced a little too high right now? You know, is there too much enthusiasm in the market? So there's a lot there's a lot more that goes into play other than, hey, this looks like a company with promise. You know, it's there's a lot more critical factors because even though you could buy a good company, if you bought that good company at the wrong time, you could get underwater in that stock and be there for years till it digs out and starts hitting the performance metrics everybody hoped it would hit. Yeah, you got it. All right, um, I've seen Leo at work, and uh, I've seen his operation, and uh, it's tried and true, and uh, they take their time. Um, they'll meet with you for the first meeting, and probably nothing will get done just to get to know each other, and uh, then maybe ask to bring in um, your securities and take a look at them and what are your long-term goals do you want to continue to work do you want to work part-time uh, do you have enough money that you can retire he'll take all this and it takes a while to go through this and uh, you have made um, you know you've been very transparent and say you know we charge for our services but we are fiduciary we do things in your interest and uh, Leo can you add anything more to your method uh, the importance of the fit meeting, Dan, all that works together in conjunction. We're looking for folks that just want to build long-term relationships and get a deep understanding of you, what it is you want to accomplish, so that we can help you get there. Yeah. And uh, the other thing, too, I think that people that have saved a little bit of money, they want some indication that they're going to be able to keep this money. And, you know, the stock market is going to be volatile, and there's people out there predicting that we're in for a big downturn right now. But with your organization, you are moving with people's money daily, right? I mean, you're assessing the market with your money managers, and if there's some potentially long-term bad news, you folks move quickly, and you get in and out of stocks and try to adjust that portfolio so that you can still keep those goals in mind. It's not perfect. But um, at least you have a proactive um, money management. I'll, I'll even bring the football analogy in since it's Super Bowl Sunday coming up. No good football team wins having just a good offense. you got to have a good defense. And good money management is constantly deploying a good offense and a good defense simultaneously. All right. Before we close here, let's take a look here. The Dow is up 152. And um, if we are at 30,876, is that a new record here today? Uh, Dan, I think we're close. I think we got to 30,900. I think we're awfully close. Yeah. So you you think that um, in the time being, between now and next week, we're going to still be okay? <laughs> I think 75% of the, the uh, S&P 500 stocks so far reporting year-to-date, Dan, are exceeding their earnings estimates. So, I mean, there's your fundamental data that things are strong. So, yeah. we're doing we're doing better than a lot of company stock coming coming out of the fourth quarter in ter- terms of their earnings. So, there's some another another indicator we have here that's holding strong for. So, yeah, I think I think we're okay. 
I don't see any, right, I don't see well. any short-term headwinds, Dan. All right, folks, to try that FIT meeting, call 330-533-6936. They're on Star Center Drive near Tippecanoe Road uh, near Canfield. And, uh, Leo, why don't you give your email address if people want to write to you? Sure. You can email me at leo at gemyoung.com. All right. Back to Tuesday next week, and I'll see you then. You got it, Dan. Have a good week. Leo DiPrilli, uh, and he is the wealth manager and the president of Jim Young Wealth Advisors. you find him in Canfield. He has a conversation with us weekly, and uh, we'll see him next Tuesday. And I'll be back with Open Lines in just a minute. <laughs> 